So if I came to you now and I said, uh, tell me your top two spiritual gifts, can you do it? Who could do it? I'm not going to ask you, but who could do it? Okay, the rest of you, you're lagging behind a little bit. Love you lots, but don't get left behind. We're doing a journey called Gifted, and here's why I believe it's so important. Because with clarity comes confidence. With clarity comes more confidence. And many Christians don't have the confidence to minister because they haven't got the clarity of how or what should I be doing to minister. But when you can say with confidence, I've done those gift assessments and people have told me, Brent, your gifts are teaching, leadership, encouragement. Those are my top three. When you can settle it, I'm not boasting now because it's, it's not me. This is the grace that God has given to me. When you can say it with clarity, now comes a confidence, well, I better start using it. And so if you haven't yet uh, discovered what your spiritual gifts are, we would love you to do that. There's a little online quiz. If you haven't got one of those beautiful books, we've got books spare. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to give us your name and details, but we want you to get one of those books so that you can do the assessment, do the test. It'll point you in the right direction because we want you to know your spiritual gifts so that you can serve with it. Some of you have, uh, have joined in the small groups. We started our, our small group uh, this week, and it was a whole lot of fun And because uh, there's a bunch of videos that go with it. If you still want to be part of that, one, so that you can learn some more, two, because you need guinea pigs to practice on. And your small group is going to become like the guinea pigs that you can learn to serve and encourage and prophesy over and maybe learn to lead. And so if you're still interested in joining a small group, you can chat at the info desk afterwards. And uh, my mom and dad, I have to just boast a little bit, my mom has joined the online group. So she lives in George at 70, I think you're 74, mom, I might be wrong, forgive me if you're younger. But, uh, and yet uh, she has, uh, Megan and Jason coached them through how to connect up with whatever they use to join the Zoom or whatever they're using, and she's loving it. Now she's part of one of the online groups learning about her spiritual gifts. Let's get involved, we want this to be practical. So... Today I'm going to start, let's look at our key text once again, but just the first verse of it in Romans 12 verse 6, it says, we have different gifts. Now remember, let me just stop there for a moment. Oftentimes when it says, hey Scott, I've got a gift for you, you're like, yay, but this is different because Scott, this is not actually a gift for you, this is a gift through you. Does that make sense? God actually, God's, he, as much as that it is a gift so that you can serve others, you're not the final destination. You like the postman in between. God wants to give you gifts so that he can use you to distribute them to others. Does that make sense? So yes, they gifts. God gives them as a gift for free, but you're not the final recipient. You like the postman in between to give them to others. We have different gifts according to the grace. Grace. Grace means it's free. Grace, my simplest definition, is simply God's help. That's what grace is. It's God's help. We saved by, by, by grace, God's help, because we couldn't save ourselves. We empowered by grace, God's help. And these are gifts of grace, God's help, so that you can do what you couldn't do without Him. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Say each. Tell the person next to you, you're part of an each. Okay, so if you manage to sit there and excuse yourself by saying this doesn't apply to me, then the devil is lying to you and you're trusting him. Stop it. Because this is for you. God has given each of us grace gifts. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. How many of you can prophesy? Why don't you put up your hand? 
couple here, couple here, couple here. Okay, you guys who put up your hand, you can switch off on Facebook for the next half an hour because I'm going to preach the gospel now. Now, for all of you who didn't put up your hand, I want to tell you about Jesus and salvation today. Why? Because I don't know if you're born again. Because, listen to me carefully, if you are born again, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you've confessed your sin and repented, and you've asked Jesus Christ to come and be your Lord and Savior, then you are born again. Your sins are washed away, and you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in you because you are holy in the sight of God, and it's the Holy Spirit who empowers you to begin to live for Jesus, a lifestyle that reflects the Jesus. And you know what else happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? Well, when Peter preached the first sermon in the New Testament as, uh, as the church was born, it says in, uh, it says in uh, the Bible, <laughs> it says in Acts chapter 2 and verses 16 to 18, it says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. In other words, if the Spirit of God is inside of you, you are designed to prophesy. In fact, I'll show you in a moment, you become a prophetic being. We live prophetic lives. Your young men will see visions. I'm still there. Old men will dream dreams, Steve. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days and they will prophesy. The language of the New Testament, the, the language of being full of the Spirit is not actually tongues, it's actually prophecy. Our lives become a prophetic vessel, and I'll show you that in a moment. But let me not jump too far ahead of myself. Let me go back and ask this question. What exactly is prophecy? Prophecy, sometimes in our minds, we conjure up an Old Testament kind of uh, picture, or we remember Zach Lombard when he's preached and ministered here before, and you think, yo, I could never do that, and some of us can, and some of us can't. Prophecy, however, in its simplest form, is serving others by listening to what God is saying and being able to tell others what God is saying. And that sounds so simple, but let me tell you, that is probably the most powerful and beautiful gift there is. When we know this is what God is saying to you, Scott. This is what God is saying to you, Lazy. This is what God is saying. Why? Because listen to what it says, for example, in Psalm 29, verses 7 to 9. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. It's verse number 8. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare, and in His temple all cry, Glory. Friends, the voice of the Lord is different to yours and my voice. You're hearing my words, but when God speaks, His words always come with an attachment. Remember like the email and it's got a little paper clip? Every word of God has got a paper clip attachment of the grace, the power to fulfill that word. So when, when God said, let there be light, it wasn't just a word. It carried the paper clip power to accomplish what His word said. So when God prophesies over your life, God is opening a new door for you, what it means is as His Word is spoken, the power of His Word is released to walk in what He spoke. Make sense? That's why this is such a beautiful and powerful gift. Hearing God's voice is the root of faith. 
And I just began to reflect on how helpful prophetic words have been in my life. When we bought this original piece of land, we had a prophetic word, pay the full price. It's like, thanks Lord, that's not very specific. Because when we bought this piece of land that the building is on, it was a a municipal purchase and you had to put in a tender. You had to just submit a tender price. And we didn't even know who else is going to tender. The land was evaluated at at 600,000 rand. And we're thinking, well, do we put in 600? What if someone else puts in more? We only get one chance. God, you said pay the full price. Well, thanks, Lord. But what exactly is the full price? And eventually, long story short, we tendered 1 million, 1,111 rand because I didn't want any zeros at the end, no chance of a tie. And the second place bid was 450 rand less. So when it came to a million rand purchase, we won this piece of land by 400 rand. You see, God gave us exactly, and He gave us the faith to do what His word said. The reason we've expanded this hall is because God spoke to us. I want to release a double portion. And that means, God, we've got to trust you within your word is the grace and power to do what your word said, which is now why we're starting to walk in the fruit of that. God spoke to us. Outlook Church, you're called to be a flagship church, not a photocopy church, a flagship church. That means you've got to leave the safety of the harbor, you've got to leave the safety of the coast, and you've got to learn to pioneer some new avenues and some new destinations. Which is why, as an eldership, we have to make some risky decisions to say, Lord, you've spoken to us. You've spoken your mighty hand. We need to set our sails and trust the Lord and pioneer some things. What's my point? That comes out of the prophetic gift. And some of you, God has put an incredible prophetic gift inside of you. And how tragic it would be if you go to your grave and meet your maker in heaven, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Just a pity You didn't take hold of those talents I put inside of you because your prophetic gift could be releasing people into their inheritance, destiny, and breakthrough. Amen? So imagine how you can serve people by helping them tap into the voice of the Lord. Two quick introductory comments, and this is important. It lists seven gifts, and we're going to be studying them, prophecy, teaching, encouragement, mercy, leadership. Which one's first? Prophecy. Now, when we see lists in the Bible, normally the first in the list is the most important. Not important as, for example, normally the captain of the team. When it lists, the disciples are listed, it always first says Peter. And it speaks of other gifts later and it says first apostles. Why? Not because it's in value it's more important, but because it has to go first. Prophecy is listed because it has to go first. If we're going to make strides and steps and breakthroughs, it starts with the prophetic. God said, I don't do anything without first revealing it to the prophets. This is a crucial gift. It says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Which one should you desire the most? Especially prophecy. And today I'm going to be calling some of us, me included, to repent before the Lord Because we haven't been desiring this gift enough. Second one is uh, introductory comment is that the limitation on this gift is your faith for it. If your gift is prophecy, let them prophesy in proportion to your faith. Now here's the thing. There is no limit to the power of this gift. Honestly, church, I'm dreaming. I've got to be honest. Stop saying that. I'm always honest with you. I'm dreaming of radical prophetic ministries growing out of the church that can prophesy more than just to an individual, more than just to a congregation, 
But we see in Scripture prophecies going over whole, whole cities, over whole nations. Into na- The power of the prophetic is huge, but it's up to us if we want to grow into it or not. You see, we prophesy in proportion to our faith. That's why there's not a day to lose. If you've realized or discovering today, this gifted series, I've just realized prophecy is one of my top two gifts, then I'm gonna encourage you, don't waste a day. Grow that gift through faithfulness, through learning, through experience, through practice. Enlarge that gift. The only limitation is your faith about how God can use you. In terms of that, I do. I really want to commend, like a Viv here. Viv, you have been amazing. Over 20 years, how many times have you heard a prophetic word from Viv? Week after week after week, honing that gift. I want to commend you. People like Quinton, some of you have been incredible. We want to see a new crop of people who, that's my serving gift. And Jesus, I want to serve and not be served. I want to use it to your glory. So very quickly, I've got 10 minutes. And I want to talk to you how to serve God with a prophetic gift. So whether this is your number one or number two gift, or maybe it's down at number seven, that's okay. This is for you because number one, stop agreeing with the devil and agree with God. So if you've been convinced by the enemy that prophecy is not one of your gifts, I hope I've already convinced you to repent. Stop it. You are designed by God to be a prophetic vessel. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. And I'm going to show you in a moment that everything about the New Testament is designed to be prophetic. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 4, he said, when he had brought out all his own, he's talking about Jesus as the great shepherd, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. Remember the story of young Samuel in the Bible. God called him to be a prophet. He hears the voice of the Lord calling him, Samuel, Samuel. He jumps up and what does he do? Yes, Lord, here am I, I'll speak for you. No, he runs to Eli and he says, Eli, did you call? Eli says, I didn't call you. You've just woken an old man up out of his sleep, go back to sleep. And he hears again, Samuel, Samuel. In other words, what was the problem? Was his problem hearing God or was his problem recognizing that it was God speaking to him? Does that make sense? Now, here's the thing. All of you who said, oh, I'm not a prophetic person, this is the root of the problem. It's not that you can't hear the voice of God speaking to you. It's that you haven't yet realized it's God speaking to you and you're writing it off as imagination or indigestion or whatever it is and you're not realizing God is trying to speak to you. It's a crucial point. Everything about the new covenant is prophetic. Let me give you an example. If you summed up the Old Testament law, it was reactionary in nature. What do I mean by that? Well, Exodus 21 verses 23 says, but if there is a serious injury, you are to take laugh for laugh, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. What are they saying? In other words, according to the law, to live under the old covenant means, Errol, if you're horrible to me, guess what? I'm going to be horrible to you. You ding my car, I'm going to go and ding your car. That's what you do. You react. It's a reactionary covenant, and your your, your actions towards others are based on what's happened in the past. What about the new covenant? Jesus says, this is going to sum it all up. Some call it the golden rule. What is it? Let me read it to you from Matthew 7, verse 12. So in everything, in everything, the Greek word for everything is alice. 
in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for that sums up the law and the prophets. In other words, now, now I give my life to Jesus and Errol dings my car again, so now I get your car washed for you. Because now I'm living a prophetic life. I'm not living a reactionary life. I'm gonna start treating you prophetically about how I believe God would want you to act. Stop dinging people's cars and start blessing other people's cars. Let me give you an example. Husband and wife. This is you guys who should go on the, on the marriage course. Your wife is just being, and so in your heart, it's like, honey, if you're gonna be horrible to me, guess what? I'm gonna be horrible straight back to you. I'm gonna give you the silent treatment. I'm gonna get aggro. I'm gonna be miffed. I'm gonna make it clear to you that you horrible to me. You're gonna get it straight back with interest. <laughs> That's old covenant, reactionary. Then you give your life to Jesus or he convicts you and you repent. And guess what? You start living a, a, a word of God, Bible, Holy Spirit life. And the Bible says, husbands, Love your wife. It doesn't say love her if she loves you. No, no, it says love your wife as Jesus loved the church. The church at that time were the people saying crucify him and he was loving them by taking their punishment. You see, in the new covenant, we love our wives into loveliness, not when they are lovely. Make sense? Put the shoe on the other foot. Bob, if you want me to respect you, then you better start acting in a respectful manner because I think the Bible says respect is to be earned. It doesn't say that, by the way. You see, the Bible says, no, no, wife, respect your husband. And you think like, whoa, 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 I think my husband's related to Satan. There is no way I can respect him. Well, it depends. If you're living old covenant, you act in a horrible way, I'm gonna act in a horrible way. Then you give your life to Jesus, you submit your heart to Christ as king, and you begin to live a prophetic lifestyle. Holy Spirit, help me, this is gonna to be tough. But remember, God's word carries the power to do what his word says. So if his word says, wifey, respect your husband, submit to him, that means in that word is the very power of God to fulfill his word. So now by faith, not by feeling, by faith, I'm gonna start treating you respectfully, trusting that as I respect you, you'll begin to live a more respectful life. Does that make sense? Bottom line is we live in a prophetic covenant and we are a prophetic people. Okay, now I've got five minutes, so listen quickly. How do I recognize his voice just practically? If we're gonna be, live this prophetic lifestyle, I'm not one of those super, like Zach, like some of you who just got a word all the time. But what I've discovered is with intentionality, I can hear God's voice. Do I know it's 100%? No, but that's why it's called faith. So if I'm needing a prophetic word, I'll pray, Lord, please speak to me. Normally one of three things would happen. Number one, a scripture just comes to mind. Like, huh, that's weird. Or number two, a picture would just come to mind. Or number three, a strong kind of saying or kind of sentence would come to mind. And I'd hold on to that and then I'd pray into that. Lord, is this something that puts faith in me or just fades away? And if it kind of burns inside of me, then I'll say, Jesus, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. I believe I've got a prophetic word for you. Does that make sense? That, that's not like hyper in the middle of the night vision. No, no, it's just I was created to hear the voice of my father. And so now I've got to learn to work with him and trust him. 
Very quickly then. So number one, don't agree with the enemy. Agree with God. You are someone who is prophetic. Number two, God's will for your life is that you desire the gift of prophecy. So here's problem number two. We have done many positioning of the prophetic conferences, and at the conference, everyone prophesies. Two weeks later, Viv prophesies. What's the problem? The problem is not ability. The problem is desire. Exactly that. See, desire means I really want to walk in this in my life. And the Word of God says very clearly, desire the gift of prophecy. So if there's no desire for the gift of prophecy, then the Bible says, well, repent and confess it as sin and say, Lord God, please forgive me for not living according to your word and help me to start desiring this gift in my life. And I know what desire looks like because I've got a teenage son. And let me tell you, Adam, he's our youngest, when he desires something, let me tell you, it happens. When he's desiring new parts for his computer, somehow mom and dad owe him tremendous amounts of money. Somehow he's borrowing against next Christmas's allowance for this. He's busy selling my car without me even knowing. Whatever happens, when he is desiring it, he will make it happen. Same thing with us. The problem is not ability. The problem is here. It's right in the word of God. Are you desiring that gift? And for me, I've had to repent right here. Lord, I haven't been desiring this gift in my life. Because when I go to God and pray, Lord, I need a prophetic word, God answers it. It's there if we want. So just some of the ways that we do prophesy, sometimes it's God giving you a prophetic word for someone in the church. Through your devotions, through the week, as you pray and ask God, God might give you a word. Doc, oh, I was praying for you, felt your name. On Sunday when I see over coffee, Can I share this with you or can I WhatsApp it to you? Or you see us on Sunday releasing a prophetic word for the church. Sometimes it's not individual. Sometimes it's a word for the whole church. God's called us to be a flagship church. or That's why we've got the elders. And if you've got a word, you think God is saying something to the church, bring it to the elders. It's our job to weigh it so that we can administer it well and you can be accountable and we can be accountable with that. Another one is words of knowledge. You've heard Errol and others and Marilise get up sometime and I believe God is saying there's someone whose left knee is really sore and that's a word of knowledge. It's a form of prophecy. Another's a word of wisdom. Where's Baba Godfrey? I often share about that word of wisdom when we were starting this building project and he was saying, stop praying for money. Let's pray for wisdom because wisdom is what unlocks resources and that changed the trajectory of how we handled this project. Prophecy comes in different ways. So let me land then with just five quick safety barriers. Very practical now. If prophecy is one of your top gifts and I want you to grow in it, firstly, please don't go Old Testament on us. I've seen people, and so have you probably, so many times. Now it's time to prophesy, and so it's... And thus saith, suddenly your language goes to a whole kind of King James version. He, thus saith the Lord of heaven. That's just weird. Okay, you, you don't have to try and look anointed. Rather, let the power of your word produce the fruit. One of our values is to be supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. When Jesus released a word of knowledge to the woman at the well, he simply said, go and call your husband. And right there, bam. He put his finger on her heart because she said, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. That was Jesus releasing a form of prophecy without any like, anyway, moving along. Number two, 
Do stay submissive and accountable. You come to someone and you're saying, I believe God is saying this to you. That's a big thing in their lives. So if you go rogue, you can end up manipulating or controlling someone's life, which is a dangerous thing. That's why we've got shepherds and elders. That's why we weigh prophetic words. I remember going to, as a young guy, 18 years old, the leader of our apostolic team was coming to the church. I was in Howick at the time. And this guy, like, wow, he's my hero. He's coming to minister. They teased me by putting my chair right here in front of the pulpit that Sunday. So afterwards, I went to him and I said, Dudley, please, will you like pray for me? And he said, I'd love to pray for you, but first let me find one of your elders so they can come and stand with us. I mean, here's a guy with an incredible apostolic anointing, still respecting the authority of the elders, asking for someone to come and stand with so that he was accountable and submissive to the local eldership. It's a beautiful thing. When people become unsubmissive, it causes problems in a church. And so if you've got a prophetic gift, use it well. 1 Corinthians 14, 20 says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Orderly doesn't mean boring. It means under authority. Thirdly, do aim to encourage and confirm and not direct. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. In other words, if you now start praying directional, oh, God's going to send you across to New Zealand. You're going to be married this time next year. You're going to have twins by the, ay, ay, ay. That's a pastor's worst nightmare because then as the elders, we've got to pick up the pieces and it's happened before. That's why we use words like, I feel God is saying, and, and actually the goal of our prophecy should be to encourage and strengthen. In other words, it should be confirming what God is saying rather than sending them in a different direction. Fourthly, this is my one, maybe for some of you as well, don't be lazy. Don't know how to say it any other way. Follow the way of love, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. What do I mean by lazy? Jesus said this. He said, just like the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. When you come to a church service, do you come to be served or to serve? That's the challenge. Imagine being part of a church where we gather together Sunday after Sunday, but every single one of us have come with a mentality. I'm going to the service, not to be served, but to serve. I've prayed up. I've spent my week's devotion, not just praying for me. I've been praying for people in the church, asking God for prophetic contributions so that over coffee time, while we're sitting, while we're, I'm ready. God has been speaking. I want to encourage people and strengthen them. And lastly, don't contradict the word of God. That's not the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says, two or three prophets should speak and others should weigh carefully what is said. I heard someone prophesy once, I, the Lord, have maketh a mistake. No, 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 no. That is not a word from the Lord because God doesn't make mistakes. And anytime someone prophesies something which contradicts the word of God, you can know with certainty right there, it's not from God. The word of God is our safety net. So what's the challenge? My challenge to all of us, whether prophecy is your number one gift or your number seven, grow your prophetic gift by about two rungs of the ladder. What do I mean? Let's say you've got a ladder with 10 steps on it, 10 out of 10 being uber powerful Jesus type ministry. 
one out of 10 mean you like so not prophetic, you wouldn't realize it if God was speaking from heaven in a loud voice. I think I'm probably about a five, average. My goal is to aim for a seven. Seven out of 10 prophetic gift can really begin to impact people's lives around you. Some of you, Viv, I'm pointing at you, but not just you. <laughs> you might be a seven already out of 10. Imagine if you became a nine. A nine out of 10 prophetic gift is not just changing churches. It can change cities. It can be a, a, a huge impact. Maybe you're a three. That's okay. You could get to a five by eagerly desiring this gift because a five out of 10 is gonna impact your family and it's gonna impact the way you live your life. Don't be lazy with this amazing gift. Practice it. Come prepared to church. Share in church. Share at small group. WhatsApp a prophecy to a friend. Grow your faith to grow this gift in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me?